Here we go, another Sunday podcast. I'm Ray. Fantastic. Welcome. Nice of you to join me. The weather report, first of all, 20 degrees C, which is 68 Fahrenheit, 94% humidity, which is very wet. It's been raining a bit today. 1019 millibars on the barometer and the flag, hang on, as usual, bit of breeze or not quite wind, breeze from the west. Looking good. It's Friday the 11th of August, by the way, 23, and the time is 3 o'clock in the afternoon. A little bit late. I wanted to start uh, earlier, but we've been to a busy week. Where have we been to today? We went to the Harbour Park, a little Hampton, near where the fire was. There was a big fire yesterday. Tell you about that later. The other day we went to Amberley Museum, which was great. We got little grandson with us, the eight-year-old grandson. He's staying with us all this week. He's going home Sunday. So we've been out every day. Yesterday we went to Arundel Castle. That was brilliant. Arundel Castle. Do you know, I've not been there for 30 years. That was the last time I went there, 30 years ago. Can you believe that? Where, where's that time gone? I'll tell you one big difference between then and now, because that's what this episode is about, how things have changed. Several of you emailed me and you said, after last Sunday's episode, you know, I said, oh, I won't do that. I'll do it now. I won't do it next week. I'll talk about how things have changed now, which I did a little bit. But several of you have got on to me and said, do a proper episode about how things have changed from then to now. So that's what this is all about. Arundel Castle, 30 years ago, I was considerably younger, 30 years younger, in fact. And I went up the steps to the keep, stone steps right the way up, really steep, up to the keep. Now up there was Queen Matilda's room and I sat on this stone seat by the window. Well, it's a slot, isn't it? It's not a window as such. I sat there and that is exactly where Queen Matilda would have sat in 1100. She was born in 1102, was it? Or five? A long time ago anyway, thousand years, more than that. And I sat there and looked out onto the, the grass in the middle of the, the whole castle. There's an area in the middle. And that's exactly what she would have seen. The building, the castle, all of it exactly as it was then, I'm looking at now. And it, it somehow, I don't know, it was weird, a, a strange sensation, knowing that I was in the very seat, which is basically just a, a stone sort of platform by the, the window, I was in the very same spot that she had sat and looked out. It just, it was weird, a strange experience. So this time I wanted to go up there again because last time I didn't have Trish with me. And I said to her, you've got to see Queen Matilda's room. And I couldn't get up the steps. Honestly, my poor legs, after the day before, walking all around Amberley Museum and then around the castle, around the castle grounds, all over the place, finally up the steps, I couldn't do it. <laughs> Isn't it awful? And then today we've been to Littlehampton, to Harbour Park. It's a, a kind of Butlin's funfair bit by the estuary of the river. It's the uh, Ada, isn't it? The River Ada goes out to the sea there. Fantastically strong current. You look over the, the harbour wall and the current is fantastic. The speed of which that river empties and especially empties, but when it fills, it's a bit slower. It's really dangerous. You, you don't want to go in there. Very strong undercurrents and all sorts. So that's what I've been doing. Normally, I'd be at least halfway through Sunday's episode by now, seeing as it's Friday afternoon. Anyway, waffle, waffle. So this is all about 
how things have changed then and now. Just talking about the River Ada at the estuary where it flows into the sea. It is fast when the tide goes out, and I watched a boat there once. <laughs> he was stationary, had his motor running flat out and wasn't moving. He was against the tide. He was trying to come in, and the tide was going out, and he just wasn't moving. If anything, he was going backwards slightly. So, uh, yeah, very, very strong current. Queen Matilda wasn't actually queen. She didn't get to be queen. I thought that she was locked up in the in the keep, in the tower there. There was this room. Over the door, it says Queen Matilda's room. Anyway, I happened to say, I said to this woman, one of the, the volunteers there, I said, where's Queen Matilda's room? Because initially I'd forgotten. And she said, oh, it's up uh, the keep. You have to go up the steps to the keep. And I said, oh, OK, fine. And I said, oh, I'd like to go and see that because uh, she was locked up in there, wasn't she? No, she wasn't. This, this woman said, no, she was quite indignant. Queen Matilda was not locked up at all. Blah, 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 blah. She had a, had a bit of a go at me. I said, oh, sorry, I must have got that wrong. You have got that wrong. <laughs> it was funny. And she started telling me all about Queen Matilda. I'm not going to tell you all about it because you'll get bored and go to sleep. I couldn't get away from this woman. I mean, she knew her stuff. She was brilliant. But all I wanted to know, I just lost my bearings, wasn't sure where Queen Matilda's room was. And I got this lecture all about how she wasn't locked up, how she was never actually queen. I think they called her empress or something. Anyway, there we are. That's another story. So I actually wore myself out walking because all around the tower, it's all hilly. You know, obviously, castles are built on the top of hills, aren't they? So they've got a good view all round. And my poor legs, stand the crows, my poor legs. Now, the fire in Littlehampton, we'd already booked to meet friends there for all this stuff. The day before we were due to go to Littlehampton, which, where are we? I don't know what day. Anyway, it was the other day. This Harvester restaurant caught fire and burned down. It really did. There's videos all over Twitter. Look at the, uh, if you're interested, the Harvester restaurant, Littlehampton, and you'll see there's videos of the fire. And even today, that was that was yesterday, in fact, yeah. That was Thursday. It's now Friday. We were going there anyway today. We'd, we'd arranged to meet friends and things. And they're still hosing it down. Firemen right up this huge sort of ladder thing, and they're hosing it because it's still smoking from yesterday. What a shame. Lovely restaurant. We've been in there several times. Whenever we go over there, we usually have something to eat there or a coffee. And luckily, the Windmill Theatre, which is right next to it, didn't catch fire. One of the firemen was saying that the wind was in the right direction, not to blow the flames onto the Windmill Theatre. I think the wind was coming off the sea and blowing the flames away from the theatre. So the theatre's got a little bit of water damage, but apart from that, it's fine. So that was all a great shame. Loads of firemen still there this morning, and uh, the smell, well, it's still smoking. You know, you can smell it all around the place. Such a shame. Rob contacted me from Australia, because that's where he lives, so he would, wouldn't he? <laughs> Happy days. I asked about kangaroos last week. Do they make a noise? Cows moo, don't they? Pigs oink and stuff like that. He said they don't make a noise, but they do sort of growl a bit. So that's what kangaroos do. There we are. We've all learned something. They do growl a little bit. Thank you for that, Rob. How did that come about? Oh, that was talking about Ian, wasn't it? Tilly, his horse, and his sheep that he calls uh, 
mint saucians. <laughs> he doesn't eat them. They're pets. He doesn't eat the horse. doesn't eat the sheep either. So, uh, yes, thanks for that, Rob. How things have changed. The Duke of Norfolk lives in Arundel Castle. I'm not sure whether he was there. I think they fly the flag when he's there. And uh, when he's not there, the flag isn't flying. I believe that's right. But it's so interesting. I mean, obviously, I'm going back a thousand years or more. So things have changed. But that castle is exactly how it was back then. It's probably had one or two repairs over the, the decades, the centuries, obviously. But it's quite fantastic to think that that's exactly how it was. The grounds, everything, you know, the archways, the whole lot. I took some photos. I might put them on the website at some stage. But even going back just to 1950, 1950s, how things have changed since then, let alone a thousand years. <laughs> oh, I was watching Chris Packham, his programme um, about the earth. Have you seen that? All about the earth. They go back millions and millions of years, billions of years, how it was then and what's happened. And that's interesting. I mean, how things have changed there. No life at all. Absolutely no life at all. And then he's been going over the sort of millions of years, how things have changed with the earth. That, that really is fascinating, if you're interested in that sort of thing. First of all, it started with this sort of amoeba type stuff and then green sort of algae. Is it algae or algae in the sea? And that eventually crept out of the sea onto the land. And well, the rest is history, as they say. So it goes on. But things have changed a great deal. I was thinking the other day about the 1950s and the things kids used to do. I'm not going to go through this because I've done it a lot of times with children. Back then we had board games and things like that. And we watched the, the one channel on the TV. Then we had two channels. Whereas these days it's all iPads, iPods, iPhones and eyeliners and I, <laughs> I, I whatever. So there's no point in talking about all that. But other things, collecting things. We used to collect things. We had scrapbooks where we cut things out of newspapers and comics and anything. And we'd stick them in the scrapbook. Cigarette packets. Cut the front off the cigarette packets and put those in your book. Matchboxes. Cut the front off the matchbox and stick those in your book. I don't think children do any of that anymore. There was a time, wasn't there? Was it the 80s or 90s? where children kept um, books of footballers. You'd collect footballers, things like that, and stick them in your book. So we were great collectors back then, and swapsies. We were always swapping things. I remember before I went to school every morning, what can I stuff in my blazer pocket? Oh, yeah, I don't want those. Cigarette cards. Oh, I don't want those marbles. Stuff them all in your pockets. As soon as you get to the playground, there's all these kids there. What have you got? Oh, oh I want that. What do you want for that? Oh, I want six marbles for that. Oh, I'll give you five. All right, then. And it really was like that, collecting and bargaining and oh, swapping things. It was fantastic. I remember one boy came in one morning with a, a speedometer from a motorbike or a moped, only a small speedo with the mileometer there as well. That was brilliant. We all wanted that. He said, I want half a crown for it. That was the week's dinner money, half a crown. And so we're, we're all saying, I'll buy it, I'll buy it. And in the end, he realised that everyone's offering up their dinner money. So he said, no, it's five bob. That's two half crowns, five shillings. And, and in the end, one, one kid did buy it. Uh, he said, well, look, there's this week's dinner money, half a crown. I'll give you the other half crown next Monday. 
<laughs> when I get it from my mum. So I don't know, he, he, he bought it. But that sort of thing, anything mechanical at a boys' school, of course, it really did go down well, anything mechanical. I used to find bits and pieces in my dad's shed because at one time he was a motor mechanic. He was a Rolls-Royce motor mechanic, would you believe? Yeah, you see, none of your Morris Oxford or your Austin 1100, <laughs> a Rolls-Royce mechanic. And he used to have all sorts of mechanical bits and pieces in his shed. So I'd take them to school and swap them for things. That was good fun. Imagine if someone had said to Queen Matilda when she's sitting in her room, over a thousand years time, 1200 years or whatever it is, people will be visiting the castle, looking in your room at where you sat. You couldn't explain to her they'd have cameras and phones and things. She wouldn't have understood it. But she would not have believed, would she, that over a thousand years, people would be visiting her room. I often think about the past, the people from the past. There must be something wrong with my brain because I always wonder, do they smell? Did they smell in those days? I heard on the telly some history programme that the women in particular, because they wore all these clothes, like, you know, huge knickers and petticoats and more petticoats, then more knickers and then skirts and more petticoats and more skirts, it takes them kind of half the day to get dressed. So they're not going to wash are they every day because it, it takes too long it's too much of a palaver and these uh bodice things or the corsets or whatever they're called takes hours to get dressed so they didn't bother to wash apparently <laughs> no, it's true it's true i heard it on the telly they didn't bother to wash half the time because it's just too much of a palaver and i suppose all those clothes they're wearing kept the smell in <laughs> dear what am i like no, I don't know what it is, but whenever I see programmes, uh, history or drama stuff set in, you know, years ago, hundreds of years ago, they didn't have deodorant. They didn't have soap. You know, what did they do? I suppose they stank. <laughs> Queen Matilda. Did she have a... She didn't have a shower. Did she have a bath? There were baths in the castle, but they were more modern baths for uh, guests. Uh, we saw the guest room. So uh, the Duke of Norfolk has guests and we saw their bedrooms and they've got en suite and showers and stuff like that. But Queen Matilda wouldn't have had a bath. I don't know what, we saw the toilet. I won't go into that. Dear me. Right, let's move on swiftly, shall we? Talking of toilets, another thing I heard on the telly, so it must be true. Henry VIII used to live in a castle for a while, then go to another castle, live there for a few months, then go to another one. The reason he kept swapping was because the toilet, well, it was a hole, wasn't it? And there was a long sort of drop, like a hole in the floor, really, and a long drop down to the outside. And it used to smell after a while. So what he would do is go and live in another castle. I, is that true? Is that true? I don't know. That's what I heard. So whenever it got a bit whiffy, he'd move castle. <laughs> and then originally come back to the, the one he started off in because that had all, yes, Okay, so yeah, things back in the 50s were very, very different. And that's only, you know, that's in my lifetime. It's not like a thousand years ago, not even a hundred years ago. That's in my lifetime. A few years ago, we had shops. I would look at the shops now. They're few and far between. And what shops we have got, well, what are they? They're estate agents, aren't they? They're charity shops and coffee shops. And that's about it. There are one or two others, but... It's such a shame that they're always on about reviving the high street. Well, they won't because it's gone. Wilco. Have you heard of Wilco? 
uh, one of our big name retailers in the UK, they've gone into administration and they're blaming online sales or someone was blaming on the news online sales. They reckon that's what's done it. People don't go downtown so much now they buy online. So everything has changed. In fact, everything has changed very fast in just my lifetime. I think up until the 50s, it was pretty slow, wasn't it? We had radio come in. In the 20th century, we had radios. People started buying radios, then telephones. That changed things. And it took a long time before everyone had a telephone. Then tele uh, televisions came in, didn't they? And it took a long time before every house had a telly. You know, you knew a neighbour, so-and-so over the road's got a television. And then a couple of people in the road. And it took a long time. Whereas with the with the internet, that was more or less bang. What, what's that? Everyone's on the internet. Well, not everyone, but it, it really did hit hard and fast. So that was a massive change. And look how the internet has changed things. If you look on the negative side, it, it's wrecked the high street. It's wrecked shopping. It's totally different now. And if there is a shop down the town where they sell clothes or something, whatever you're interested in, you go down there, have a look, try it out, see what it's like, and then go home and order it online from somewhere else because it's cheaper. Food has changed. In the old days, it was, what was it? A veg and, uh, no, meat and two veg, wasn't it? So you'd have meat and, say, potato and cabbage or carrots, whatever. Whereas these days, we had a Chinese last night. That was nice. I had these spring roll things and uh, it's, what was it, pretend duck. It's not real duck, they call it duck something, I don't know what they call it. And I was a bit of a piglet, I had chips with mine, I had far too many chips. But we didn't have all that back then, all this different choice of food. We had the fish and chip shop down the road. And then of course again, slowly over the years, the takeaways, the Chinese, the Indian, slowly coming into the country, all changes were slow, weren't they? Whereas now changes have happened so fast. It's all so quick. I can't keep up with it from day to day. Stuff changes. Do you think, hang on a minute, I, I can't keep up with this. What's going on now? We used to have a tax disc in the car windscreen, road tax. And you'd have that on there. It would be the date and everything so people could see you paid your road tax. That disappeared. We used to have garages, a little garage. Every town had several little garages. You could go in there and the chap would fill up your petrol tank and he'd clean your windscreen, check your oil and tyres, check the water in the radiator. Now that didn't change quickly, did it? Because the bigger garages started coming and the supermarkets started appearing and they opened their own forecourts where they sold petrol. You didn't get anyone come out to see how you were, check your tyre pressure, check your oil, self-service petrol pumps so you've got a, a lady or a couple of people sitting in the in the office bit where you pay in a shop where they sell everything as well so they get more money out of you no one ever comes out to see whether your windscreen's clean or you want your oil checked and no, no, that's hard luck do that yourself that was a slow change wasn't it not everything has changed quickly it just seems sometimes that it that has changed almost overnight we had mini roundabouts in the town. They popped up overnight, several of them. In fact, one of Trisha's friends came round here for a chat and a cup of tea one morning. On her way home, this was what, two hours later, one of these mini roundabouts had popped up. <laughs> She's driving along, what's this? She didn't know what it was. 
and they just spread like fire all over the place, these little roundabouts. They sort of work. The funny thing is when you've got four roads all meeting this one roundabout and four cars sitting there, the drivers all look at each other. Well, if we're all giving way to the right or the left in your country, wherever you live, who's going to go first? <laughs> what I normally do is while they're all dithering, I put my foot down and go and leave them to it. Who remembers jukeboxes? Now, here's the thing. Jukeboxes in the old days in the pub, they were fantastic. They were big, big bits of gear with all the, the lights and push buttons on the front. Brilliant. You put in your, your two bob bit or whatever it costs and you could choose a few records. They were brilliant. They sounded good. They had decent speakers in the front of them. I remember one jukebox in the, the Norfolk. Who remembers the Norfolk in Worthing, the Norfolk pub? It was like a big chest. It was wood, the outside, genuine wood, not plastic. And it was like a big chest and the lid opened and there's all the record mechanism beneath the glass. You could watch the records being put on. That was brilliant. I love that. I had a jukebox of my own. When was that? That must be in my teens. Yeah, uh, late teens. I got a jukebox, only a small one. It didn't work when I first got it, but I got it working. I was so pleased I put all my records in it. I knocked out the record centres, you know. You've got the little hole, haven't you, for the spindle. And you can take that centre out. And it's a big hole. What is it, about an inch or something across? And that is for jukeboxes. So I pushed all the centres out of my records and stuck them in this jukebox. That was brilliant. That worked well. That had a lovely speaker in it. Really did sound good. That one wasn't stereo. But some of the, the big ones in the pubs, they were stereo. And they were loud. They had big valve amplifiers in them. Now, I saw a programme, here we go, on the telly again the other day. Was it that retro workshop repair thing? A chap bought a jukebox for £850, which I thought was rather steep, but there we are. Lovely big old jukebox. He took it to this chap to have it restored. And that really did annoy me. I'm not watching any more of those programmes now. This restorer chap, he took the top off, took it to bits... And he said, right, the record mechanism, all the selector mechanism, that's rusty. And he took it out and he threw it on the floor in the corner of his workshop. And I'm thinking, no, 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 don't clean that up. This is history. It was a 1970s, I think, jukebox. He just chucked it on the floor. Then he took out the, uh, the coin mechanism where you put the coins in and all that. He took that out and chucked it on top of the, the record stuff he put on the floor. He then took out from the bottom of the jukebox this big amplifier. And I was thinking, oh, wow, he's not going to... Yeah, no, no, he's not going to throw that on the floor. Yes, he did. He chucked it on the floor. We don't need that, he said. I can get an amp. And he, he pointed with his fingers about that big, about six inches. You can. Chinese amps. I'm looking at one now. I've got two in here, in fact. They're pretty good. But that's not original. What he ended up with, that jukebox, it really did annoy me. I don't normally get annoyed. He stripped everything out of it. There was a fluorescent tube in there, which lit up behind the, the panel where all the, the labels were, all the different record names. He took that out, chucked that away. He ended up, he put Bluetooth in it. The jukebox looked nice. He, he cleaned all the front of it and he had it all restored, all the chrome and stuff done. Looked really good. But he went on his phone and played some music through it. Bluetooth. It wasn't a jukebox at all in the end. It was an empty cabinet with a Chinese amplifier in there, a tiny little thing. 
And uh, it was just awful. And the flashing lights, he put, you know, those LED strips you can get. It looks like a strip of tape. He put a load of those in there and the jukebox was playing this music from his phone with all flashing. It just looked awful. Flashing lights everywhere. He totally wrecked that jukebox, in my opinion. I think it's dreadful. I'm not watching that programme again. Call himself a restorer. My, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, yeah, my foot. We've got a jukebox in our club. Actually, we haven't been there for a while. It's just a little box on the wall with some buttons that you press. It's basically, it used to be CDs, didn't it? After records, they had CD-type jukeboxes, I believe. But this is just a computer thing. And uh, it's all, all on the computer. And you just play records that way. You still have to pay a lot of money to listen to it. <laughs> so that's it. How things have changed. Those big, fantastic old jukeboxes from the days gone by. Oh, what a shame. They've all gone. Now, who was it the other day said about relationships? How have relationships changed over the years? Well, there's a thing. Or oh, here's the thing. I'm not sure which. In the 50s and before, people didn't get divorced. Well, they did, but not as much as they do these days. These days, right, that's it. You left the lid off the toothpaste tube once too often. I want a divorce. <laughs> Back then, people didn't get divorced. Well, for a start, they couldn't. The woman couldn't leave. It was the chap's house, the husband's house. They just didn't do it. They just didn't get divorced. They stayed together for the kids and whatever. That's changed, hasn't it? In fact, now people don't seem to get married. In the old days, I remember the 50s, weddings. It would either be at a church, you'd have a nice church wedding, or the registry office. So, how things have changed. What happens now? Well, you could get married in a pub, on a farm, on the beach, in Cancun, in Mexico. You go where you like, you go up the downs, halfway up a mountain. It's all changed. I don't like that. I know I might be old-fashioned, but I like a good old proper church wedding. It's fantastic. I love all that. Or, if not, then the registry office. You go in there, sign your bits of paper and make your declaration. I will or I won't. <laughs> I do or I won't. And then you sign the book and then you can go off and have your wedding reception somewhere. That's not too bad. But these days, uh, now, now here's the thing. Here's the thing. These days, a lot of mum and dads miss out on their daughter or son's wedding because they're having it halfway around the other side of the world and they can't afford to go. Now, I know several people in that position. They've not been able to go to their own son or daughter's wedding because it would cost thousands. And I think that's a shame. There we are. That's just me being old-fashioned, I suppose. But there's nothing like a church wedding. As long as the, the vicar or whatever he is, the padre chap, priest, as long as he doesn't drone on and on, you know, making out he's doing one of my hour-long podcasts where you're dozing off and thinking, oh, how much longer is it? I want to get to the reception. You know, I want to have a few beers. <laughs> and he drones on. Isn't that awful when they drone on? I've never droned on, have I? Answers on a postcard. Raise rants at protonmail.com. <laughs> but a lot of people don't even bother to get married these days. I know several couples, they just haven't got married. They live together. They don't seem to have any plans to get married. So that's something else that's going out of the window. I don't know. Along with um, paper carrier bags, they were good. They brought in all this plastic, didn't they? Oh, look, miracle. Miracle stuff. Plastic. Everything was plastic. 
And now they're saying, we've got to get rid of that. We've got to have paper. Paper is the way to go. Well, that's what we had, paper bags, paper carrier bags, paper straws. Then we all went plastic, paper cups. Then we had plastic cups. Now they're going back again. I often wonder who's in charge. Well, if anyone, who is in charge exactly? Who, who makes these decisions? Idiots behind desks that haven't got a clue what they're talking about. That's who. I'd like to meet one or two of them and put them right. How about that? How about meeting the Prime Minister in the pub one evening? Right, let's have a proper chat about the millions you're wasting every day on this and that. Let's have a good old chat. Yes, you're round. You get the beers in and I'm going to have a good old moan at you. Wouldn't do any good, would it? They don't listen. They don't listen to the people. I'm the people. They don't listen to me. <laughs> I don't think anyone listens. Well, you're listening to me, aren't you? Which is rather nice. In the old days, we had warm summers, hot summers, which were really nice. School holidays in the garden. Really lovely summers. Now, the world's on fire. Someone said the other day, the world's on fire. Well, I don't know. It's not on fire here. We've had rain. We've had nothing but rain this summer. I know they've had fires abroad. They reckon all the fires in, is it Greece? Most of them were started deliberately. Well, what sort of fool does that? Red hot summer, they go and set fire to stuff. They must be deranged. Well, they are, aren't they? Mentally deranged. But the weather forecast these days, it's, it's sizzling. We're having a sizzling summer. We're all going to be scorched. Whereas in the old days, it's going to be a lovely day this, uh, this Saturday. This weekend's going to be really nice. Have a picnic in the in the countryside. Go down the beach. Now, right, that's it. You're going to catch fire this weekend. <laughs> that's all gone balmy, isn't it? Everything's gone mental, as far as I can see. You see these weather maps on the telly. Have you seen that? Comparison. Uh, if you look online, people are comparing weather maps from the, say, the 70s to weather maps now. In the 70s, you'd have sunshine stickers all over the map. And these days... <laughs> The whole map is red, as if it's burning, it's on fire. It's all this media hype, isn't it? Did we have media hype back then? I don't think we did, you know. I didn't read the newspapers much when I was a kid, of course. In my teens, I didn't have much time for newspapers or the, the radio or television news because I was always out doing things. But I don't remember all this hype all this banging on about the heat and how hot it's going to be this weekend. We just didn't have that. We had normal people doing a normal weather forecast. Well, apart from Michael Fish, I mean, he, he was normal. I'm not saying he wasn't normal. Poor old Michael Fish. He said, oh, a woman's just phoned in and asked whether there's going to be a hurricane tomorrow. No, of course they're not. There's no hurricane in sight. And then we had the 1987 hurricane, didn't we? Devastated. Do you know it blew down? In the UK, 15 million trees. Can you believe that? 15 million trees. And at Kew Gardens, you know, the horticultural place, there was one tree, was it 400 years old, something like that? And they put it upright. They actually put it upright and planted the thing again. And it's still alive now. It survived that. They do reckon that it did the tree some good because the roots over the decades, centuries, had become compacted. They're all squashed in and ripping it out of the ground and replanting it, it did the tree a whole lot of good because it cleared all that compact soil and let the roots spread properly. So it's probably a good idea to, if you've got the machinery, rip a tree out of the ground and then plant it again. That would do it some good, especially older trees. It's a shame that they couldn't have replanted a lot of them because lots of them broke in half, didn't they? But how about that? 15 million trees 
in Britain were ripped out of the ground, fell over, felled by the wind. Dreadful. Back to relationships. I, I don't know. They were relationships I had were nothing like relationships kids have, kids have these days. When I say kids, I mean teenagers, I suppose. Us lads would go to a pub or a club and ask a girl whether she wanted a drink or do you want to dance? I used to hate asking girls, do you want to dance? In case they said yes, because I couldn't dance. I'd just kind of wave around on the dance floor, you know. <laughs> what was it? Throw some shapes. It was awful. If ever a girl said, yeah, OK, halfway through dancing with her, she'd walk off. Didn't want to be seen with me. <laughs> that was funny. But these days, I don't know, they don't ask each other out in... But do they go to the pubs, teenagers? The teenagers I know these days, grandchildren, uh, friends, sons, daughters, I don't think they go to the pub. Mind you, a lot of the pubs have closed. Pubs are closing all over the place. Are there still nightclubs around? I talked about that a few weeks ago. I'm not sure that there are so many nightclubs these days. I don't know, where do the youngsters go? In my day, in the 60s, of course, it was pubs and clubs. That's where you go. You meet friends, you know, you, you meet girls, you meet everyone in the pub and then go on to a club later on if it's the weekend, Friday or Saturday night. But during the week, you go to the pub. That's where everyone met. It was just, well, it was a public house, wasn't it? Pubs were called public houses where people met. We had youth clubs in my day. Do we still have youth clubs? Now, there's another thing. Do we have youth clubs? I'm not sure. I don't think we do. I've never heard of them, if we have. They were dreadful. The ones I went to were just awful. Absolute waste of time going there. There was one. Have I, I mentioned that before? The boys. Boys uh, club or something. There's just boys there. Well, I suppose there would be. It was a boys club. What's the point when you're kind of 14, 15, of going to a boys club? You want to meet girls, not boys. <laughs> I found one youth club where... It was mixed. But that's when I was, what, 16, 17. Of course, by then I was out to work and I, I didn't go there much because I was going to the, the pubs and the clubs with people from work and meeting the girls there. But I never did see the point of a, a boys' club. It was pathetic. Did they have girls' clubs? I don't think they had girls' clubs. So that's all changed again, hasn't it? It's the internet. Mobile phones, when they were just mobile phones, not online, just a phone, they weren't particularly popular, were they, with teenagers? What do you want a phone for? But of course, as soon as the phones had the internet on them and you could do all your social media stuff, that was it. You could sit in your bedroom at home talking to all your friends, video and chatting away and texting and stuff. So I reckon that was the beginning of the end, I suppose, of going out to the pub and meeting people. I used to like going to the pub. I'd eye up these girls. <laughs> I'd eye them up. I'd see one and I'd think, right, she's nice. She's with a couple of friends. Now, that doesn't happen now, does it? For a start, they're not in the pub. I don't know who, who goes to pubs. Just old boys, I think. Well, I'm an old boy and I don't go to the pub. It's too expensive. But I'd look at a girl and if you got a bit of a smile, you know, a little bit of a smile back from her, if you smile to her, then that was the first step. And then perhaps after a little while, you go over and, you know, would you like a drink? It was a it was a sort of process. You know, everyone knew all about it. The girls knew what was going on. We knew what was going on. If she looked away and didn't want to know, that was it. You left it there. Right, she's not interested. I'll move on to the next one. That was all part of the fun, I suppose, of going out in the evening. I was going to say getting dressed up, but I was a bit of a hippie. So I, all I did was throw on my big old 
sheepskin type coat, you know, and my long hair and put on some sort of hat with flowers in it. And I had my beard, a full beard. No wonder they looked the other way. <laughs> Dear me. Ah, oh, happy days indeed. My mother-in-law, bless her, she just brought over a jacket. It's Saturday now. She comes over for lunch. Talking of clothes, just brought me this jacket. It's a sleeveless, a lightweight sort of summer type jacket. And it's got 10 pockets some of them are secret pockets. It's fantastic. When I go out, for example, Arundel Castle, Ambley Museum, I take two or three handheld radios, you know, the walkie-talkies with me, and I, I suss out what frequencies people are on and stuff like that. So I'm loaded up with equipment, and I've never got enough pockets. Now, her husband, my dad-in-law, he passed away a while ago. This was his jacket, and she's kept it, not quite sure what to do with it until she heard me mentioning, I've got no pockets, I need more pockets for all these radios. And she just brought it over for me, it's fantastic. <laughs> so talking of clothes, it's, it's not quite hippie stuff uh, from the 60s, but it certainly is going to be very useful. I love it. We've just taken a photograph of me with aerials sticking out of all these pockets. I don't know, talk about nerd. Let's go back to now and then, things that uh, have changed over the years. What is this baby shower business all about? Have you heard of baby showers? I heard it recently. I don't know what they're talking about. I think it's a load of women get together. One of them's pregnant. Is that right? And they all get together and have a laugh and have a few drinks. Well, the mum-to-be can't have any drinks, not alcohol anyway. Is that what it's all about? I heard of someone the other day, they're having a baby shower and they've given everyone a list of what they want for the baby. So you've got <laughs> a bit like a wedding present list, you know, so they'll put on their toaster, kettle, hairdryer, whatever they, I don't know, whatever they put on these wedding lists. Well, apparently now they do that with baby showers. <laughs> How things have changed. Stone the crows, a list. Right, I want a, a pack of nappies, I want some talcum powder, some Vaseline, or I don't know what they use on babies these days, good grief. But that's the latest thing. We didn't have that in my day. We had old Terraline nappies. Who remembers, you've got to show your age now if you say yes. Who remembers Terraline, were they Terraline nappies? They called them Terry nappies, didn't they? Those cloth things that you have to boil. You boil them on the, on the stove, on the cooker, in a big saucepan. You have to boil them and then you hang them out to dry. And while they're out there drying in the same saucepan, you cook up a stew or something. <laughs> no, I think they had a special saucepan for boiling the nappies. Or maybe some people only had the one saucepan. So you boil up the dirty nappies, hang them on the line and then make your stew in <laughs> the same saucepan. Goodness me. But how things have changed, though. There are many, many things, aren't there, that have changed I could sit here all day, hours on end, going on about it, but you wouldn't like that, would you? I mentioned weddings earlier, how people get married in Mexico and wherever they go, <laughs> whereas it used to be the, a local church or the local registry office. It's the same with hen nights. Now, how about this? Our daughter number two, uh, her hen night, was it a hen night? Yes, one of her friends, that's right, one of her friends was getting married, so they all go off to Ibiza for a week. Ibiza for a week, I had a whole load of girls. I mean, can you imagine that? If we went to Ibiza for a week back in the 60s, we well, didn't in the 60s, say 70s or 80s, 
you'd have to save up for a year. And it was a major event in your life. Whereas these days, oh, let's pop over to Ibiza, have a few bottles of wine and celebrate your, your forthcoming marriage. People seem to travel all over the place today. My mum was saying this morning, because we've been to see her as it's Saturday, she was saying, where do all these young people get money from? I don't know where they get the money from. They go out for meals. She was saying that they have their nails done. You know, 60 pounds. They have their hair done, 100 and something pounds. They have their teeth whitened, 3,000 pounds. <laughs> Botox. What's all this Botox stuff? Have you seen these people with huge fat lips? These girls, is that uh, attractive? I don't think so. That must cost thousands of pounds. And as she said, where do they get the money from? I've no idea. Back in my day, when I was a boy, back in my day, you'd save up for the deposit for a house. You didn't have holidays. If you were lucky, you ran a car. When we bought our first house, I had a Morris Oxford, very old Morris Oxford, moved into the house, baby came along. The Morris Oxford, we put it in the garage around the, the compound. Didn't use it for two years, didn't have any money. You know, we couldn't run a car and have a baby and wife not working, just me working. So the car sat in the garage for two years. Had to walk to the shops, you know, with the pram and do the shopping and all that stuff. These days, what are these big cars called? SUV thing, Chelsea tractors. You get these young women, they're normally blonde. <laughs> I like blondes, that's another issue, another subject. And they're driving around in these massive Chelsea tractors. They've got loads of money and you know they've just been on holiday to wherever and they're going again for another, they're gonna spend a fortnight down in the Mediterranean. Then they're flying off to Canada. I don't know where the money comes from. Our first house that we bought, we didn't have a lounge carpet. It was just Marley tiles. Who remembers Marley tiles? Struth, they were dreadful things. Marley tiles, no carpet. So uh, who was it? A friend of mine gave us uh, a lounge carpet that he'd taken out. It had been in his garage for a couple of years, so it was mouldy, okay, but it was free. And I tried to fit it with my brother. He cut along the skirting board and there's a kind of six inch, well, it started off as a one inch gap and progressed to about six inches. So he cut that all wrong with this Stanley knife where I was trying to cut it, the other side of the room, I messed that, oh, it was a disaster. And it was mouldy. So once it was down, even though there were gaps all around where we'd hacked it, <laughs> we had to try and clean it. So I'm on the floor with a scrubbing brush and a bowl of water trying to get the mould out of it. Luckily, it was summertime, so we had the doors and windows open. But that was our, our first lounge carpet couldn't go to a, a carpet shop and say right come and measure up we want a fitted carpet whereas these days they do mentioning no names because I know they listen but two or three people I know they've got married they buy their first house and they go down the carpet shop right we want uh, that one for the lounge that one from the for the dining room and I'm thinking like my mum they were both thinking where do they get the money from how on earth are they going to afford that is it all on credit card that's what I said to her, it must be all on credit card. But even then you have to pay, don't you? Or can you sort of not bother to pay at the end of the month or, or the end of the year or whenever? I know a young couple got married a couple of years ago 
and they'd got a mortgage, they'd got the house, they'd saved up for the deposit. They moved in. Well, they were about to move in, and the, the young lady, the wife, said, I'm not moving in. I haven't got a three-piece suite. And the chap said, well, we can't really afford a new three-piece suite. We'll have to go down the second-hand shop, see what they've got. Oh, no, I want a brand new one. I'm not, going, I'm not having second-hand furniture in my new house. And he got himself in debt. Again, mentioning no names. Kept going round with this credit card. Oh, we'll have that three-piece suite. We'll have that double bed. We'll have that washing machine. And, of course, he couldn't pay it all back. And he got himself in all, all sorts of awful debt. They had to pay the mortgage. She ended up pregnant. She couldn't work when the baby... Oh, the whole thing. Disaster. When we first got the house, nowhere to sit. And someone gave us a sofa. No armchairs. I've got a sofa you could have. They dropped it round in this old van, this sofa. And it wasn't bad, actually. We cleaned it up and it was quite nice. We didn't have a television. And someone we know said, I'll tell you what, I've got to tell you, you can have a spare TV. Wasn't very good, but it worked of sorts. And that's how you did it back then. Whereas these days, right, new television, new three-piece suite, new carpet, new car. No, let's have two cars, one each. <laughs> Where do they get the money from? That's a good question, isn't it? Raise rants at protonmail.com. My mum's uh, 90 this, uh, no, next month. Yeah, 90 next month. So she remembers all this, of course. I remember the 50s quite well. And we, every Saturday morning, we go around there. Trish does a bit of housework for her. And uh, we chat about the old days, back in the 50s. She'll have a good old chat about, oh, when I was a girl. And back in the 50s, when I first got married and had a baby, that was me, by the way, the baby. And it's great chatting to her because we just remember all these old times and then we moan about now, today. Oh, we didn't have that in our day. We didn't have all this nonsense. <laughs> she loves it and it's all good fun. And of course, she gives me ideas, unwittingly, gives me ideas for the podcast episodes, which is rather nice. I have suggested that I take my little tape recorder, not tape recorder, listen to me now showing my age, talking of old age, tape recorder. It's not a tape recorder. My little recorder, my little stereo outside broadcast recorder, I call it. I said to her, I'll bring that round and you can have a chat about uh, the 40s, the war years when you were a child. And she keeps saying, oh, I don't know what to say. I think the answer is I'll take it round there, switch it on, hide it in one of my many pockets, my jacket of many pockets, <laughs> hide it and then get her to chat. And then I can do a bit of editing and put it on one of the podcast episodes. It would be nice to interview people, older people, but they don't seem to want to do it. They don't, they don't know what to say. I don't know why. I think that's, that's the way to do it. Don't let them know that it's being recorded so they can just ramble on. Yesterday we went to, did I tell you, I can't remember what I said on this episode now. We went to Littlehampton, the Harbour Park, which is a, a sort of Butlins. I think it was owned by Butlins. It's now sort of amusement arcades and rides and dodging cars and all this stuff, right next to where the Harvester restaurant burnt down. It was still smoking. That was 24 hours after the fire. The following day, the firemen are still there hosing it down because parts of it were still smoking. I suppose they can't just go off and leave it because it would go up again, catch fire again. But what I was going to say was, how do I put this without being rude? There were so many large people. In my day, you just didn't have these huge people. 
Trish and I sat on this bench while our lad, our grandson, was on the dodgems. We sat there watching him. And there were huge people walking past. I don't know how they walk, some of them. Why is that? Now, that did not happen. This is a fact. You know, I'm not being rude about people. I'm just stating a fact. Back in the 50s and 60s, that just didn't happen. You didn't see that. Was it because people couldn't afford to eat back then? Is that the why they were skinny? They didn't have the money to eat? I don't know. I know I've commented on this before, and obviously I've got to be careful. I mean, I'm overweight. I've been trying to get rid of my fat stomach. Do you know now I've weighed this morning, I've put on half a stone in the last, what, month or so, three weeks? Half a stone. We went out for that Chinese. We went out for breakfast. We went round someone's for a, a barbecue. I mean, it, it doesn't take long. It, it is so easy to put on weight. I know that. And it's so difficult to lose weight. I do know that. I just wonder why there are so many people overweight. When I was at school, they used to call me the human skeleton because I was that thin. Honestly, I was bones covered with a bit of skin. I really was. I went down the beach once with a friend of mine. We both put our trunks on, our swimming trunks. And he looked at me and he said, you really are a human skeleton. When I was in hospital, mind you, I lost, uh, I lost quite a lot of weight when I went to hospital when I was 14. You know, when I ripped my liver open, I've told you that before, haven't I? Fell off my bike and ripped my liver in half. Well, not quite in half, but it sounds better than saying I ruptured it. Ripped it in half. <laughs> More dramatic, isn't it? And I lost a lot of weight then. And this chap in the next bed, he said, why are you so thin? You shouldn't be that thin. You look ill. I said, well, I've just ripped my liver open. I haven't eaten for two weeks. I've been on a drip. I said, I've lost a load of weight. Well, you shouldn't be that thin. I said, well, I know I shouldn't. I'm an idiot. He was some old bloke in the bed next to me. I don't know why they put me there. It was a toss-up between the children's ward and the old men's surgical. And I ended up in the old men's surgical because I was 14. I was on the cusp, I suppose, between child and old man. <laughs> and honestly, these I've told you before, haven't I? I won't go into that. How every night I, I was woken up or just there in bed awake and they draw the curtains around someone and then wheel a trolley out. Oh, I asked the nurse, what's going on every night? Anyway, we'll move on from that. How are we doing time-wise? 50 minutes. Are you still happy for me to go on? Anyone that's left? There must be two or three of you still listening, hopefully. Or is it just me? <laughs> okay, do a few more minutes if you're still there. We were only at this Harbour Park place in Littlehampton for a couple of hours because I couldn't stand the noise. The slot machines, all these fruit machines, I don't think they should have those for young children. But uh, I've got to, hang on, listen, see if I can play you a bit of the noise that I, I had to endure. Where are we? Oh, here it is. That wasn't a particularly good recording. The noise level didn't really come across, but there's kids screaming. I mean, they're having a lovely time. They're really enjoying themselves. But wherever you go, there's this noise and sirens going and music blasting. And as you know by now, that's not the sort of thing I like. I'd rather sit in the woods and listen to the birds singing. <laughs> but there we are. Our little grandson loved it. He loved every minute of it. What you have to do is you spend £20. £20. You put it in a machine and it gives you, was it, I think, six tickets. So you've got six rides you can go on. You just hand in each ticket. Was it six tickets? Yeah, it was no more than that. 
So he went on six rides and then we had a coffee and he had a, whatever it was, a, a drink of something. And then we went home. But uh, it was all right. It was quite good fun. To be honest, I was more interested in the firemen and what they were doing. They went up on this, I think I've told you before, they went up on this big ladder thing. This Was it a gantry or something? And they were still hosing it down. Quite interesting to watch. I don't know Littlehampton very well because it's not a place I used to go to very often. But Trish went to school in Littlehampton. So she knows the area very well, which is handy because uh, driving round, wondering where to park and all this sort of thing, uh, I would have just got lost. So it's quite nice that she knew the area. Of course, it's the school summer holidays at the moment. So uh, the traffic on the road, no mums around in their Chelsea tractors or hardly any because uh, all the school trips, the school runs uh, are finished for a while, for about six weeks, I think. But wherever you go, it's full of kids. Amberley was full of kids. So we've been to Arundel Castle, Amberley Museum, uh, the park over at Littlehampton, the uh, Harbour Park. We had a Chinese takeaway here. We've been out for breakfast to a cafe. <laughs> Spent a fortune this week. And I haven't been at home much, but I'm at home now. And tomorrow, Sunday, nothing planned at all, which is brilliant. What are you doing this week? Because you'll be listening to this on Sunday or whenever. What have you got planned for next week? Anything? Have you got kids at home in the school holiday? What makes me laugh? You see these things on the telly about uh, mums and what are they going to do in the school holiday? How are they going to amuse the children? And they come up with ideas. When I was a kid, my mum didn't amuse me. I went over the woods. Here we go. You're saying that's it. I'm going to turn off now. He's going over the woods again climbing trees, looking for birds' nests. We've heard it all before. Newts, tadpoles, frogs in the pond, sticklebacks. Yeah, heard it all before. No, it's true though, isn't it? We didn't get bored. I, I, I don't ever remember even thinking or saying, oh, mum, what can I do? I'm bored. I've got six weeks off school. What can I do? What can I do? Have breakfast and go over the woods. Excellent fun. Talking of the woods, they were on about foxes the other day on the telly because they're all in the towns now and people were saying, oh, well, that's because we've taken their habitat away. We've built all over the woodland. We've now built housing estates everywhere. Everywhere is concrete instead of trees and woods. Some people were saying, well, we're going to have to cull the foxes. We're going to have to kill a few of them. Well, yeah, I don't think that's not fair, is it? You can't start killing them. We've got five fox cubs over the, back in the field behind us. Five fox cubs. And I'm pretty sure one of them was in our garden the other night. I looked out there and I said to Trish, I woke her up. I do that, that annoys her, you know, like two in the morning. Hey, Trish, come and have a look at this. And said, what, what? I said, look, look, a fox. And she looked out of the window. And because our, our garden lights come on, you know, these sort of security lights. She said, that's a cat. And I said, no, it's a fox. Anyway, two o'clock in the morning, it's a cat, fox, cat, fox. It's a fo cat, fox. In the end, she said, shut up and go back to sleep. It was a fox. There are more and more foxes. We used to see the odd one, but now we've got entire families of foxes around. I like them. I, I don't know whether they cause damage, do they, or harm. I wouldn't mind if they came in the garden. The only thing is with our tortoise, well, that's during the day he is out. He wouldn't be out in the garden at night. I don't know whether they might attack the tortoise or something. Do they attack cats? I'm not sure. I know they go after hedgehogs. Apparently they wait. The hedgehog will roll up into a ball and the fox will be very quiet and wait. 
So the hedgehog thinks, right, he's gone. So he unrolls himself and then the fox attacks him. Of course, hedgehogs are in decline, aren't they? Anyway, is that enough? It's just over 55 minutes. Take care, look after yourselves. I will see you for the midweek message on Wednesday. Oh, look, the sun's come out. That's a rarity these days. A British summertime, the sun coming out. Struth. Look after yourselves. See you on Wednesday. Bye-bye for now.